What's up, Spikes? We're back in the studio for another episode of Spike on the Mic, the only podcast where we're in it. Uh, how's it going today, guys? <laughs> Alex didn't go over the intro with us, and that, <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. Yeah, uh, We're doing something a little kooky today. Kooky? There's more than two of us. Yeah, we've never done this before. You noticed that? Um, I did. Technologically speaking, this is ambitious relative to what we normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, used an angle. But it's mostly because Elliot needed a ride over here today, and so Alex uh, graciously gave him a ride so we can film some uh, Commander gameplay later. So Elliot yeah. was going to be here when Alex and I were going to be talking about what we're talking about today. Yeah, what and are we, we said, about You know today? what? Why don't you hop in? I uh, don't think that I have too much to contribute, but they said, eh, heads up hockey, throw you in there. Sure. And uh, so we are doing a uh, Neon Dynasty set review today. Mm-hmm. And like... So I know we've never done a set review on Spike on the Mic before. I, I was talking to Alex about this yesterday because we haven't done a Spike on the Mic in a while. And, and like, my apologies for that. Most of it is I'm kind of a little down on a lot of the negativity in the community lately. Uh, being, like, terminally online feels bad. And the discourse is kind of insufferable. And I don't want to contribute to it. So... Um, I, I was talking to Alex and I said, I just want to do, uh, I want to sit down at a table and talk about something that gets me excited. And Neon Dynasty gets me really excited. This set uh, kind of rules. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I feel like it's a home run in like a hundred different ways. Yeah. And so we said, well, why don't we just talk about what's cool about this set? So it, it's not really going to be so much of a set review from like a limited or commander or CDH or, or whatever perspective. It's just going to be like what we like about the set. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that's you uh, cue it up, you know. Well, I, I think we've got a pretty good idea where we want to start. I think everybody obviously knows that there's one major card in the set that everybody's looking at and everybody's talking about, and we'll all say it on three: one, two, three. Bosanuma. Boseju. Uh, Boseju. Boseju. It's Boseju. It's Boseju. <laughs> so, uh, Boseju who endures, uh, new legendary land. It comes into play untapped. It's not technically a forest, but it taps for green. And it has maybe the most busted piece of text on what I would call a utility land mm-hmm. of all time. It basically says, pay one and a green, discard Boseju, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land and opponent controls. Uh, Why did it have to be all three? Uh, too, exactly. Right? Right. Oh, okay. Now, they do go get, to go get a... Uh, land from their library with a basic land type. So they don't have to be restricted to a basic, but mm-hmm. with a basic land type. Mm-hmm. And they put it on the battlefield untapped. That being said, this can also be reduced in cost if you control a legendary creature. The reason I think this is busted, and I think you all agree with me, is this gets through rule of law. It, it, like, okay, so there's so many reasons why it's busted, yeah. right? Like, that, that is yeah. one of them, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we're talking about it in the context of CDH. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to pop a rule of law after, like, you've already cast a spell. Maybe you've countered something on somebody else's <laughs> turn. Uh, yeah, like, you can counter an ad nauseum and then pop somebody's rule of law. Or you can cast an ad nauseum, hold priority, and pop the rule of law. And it doesn't cost you any life. I know. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, and that's the thing, is is when you're playing it in an ad nauseum deck, it's not a removal spell like um, Assassin's Trophy or whatever that's right. going to pop you for two when mm-hmm. you reveal it. It's just free in so many different ways. Yeah. Um... And then it's also got cost reduction. This card has so many cards, has so many words on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an incredibly wordy set in general. However, I will say one of the things that I've really enjoyed about how they've put the set together is most of the wordy cards have very bimodal uses. Like either you care about this set of text or you care about that set of text, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of in between. On the other hand, uh, it was Kappa Tech Wrecker, right? Yeah, I actually really like Kappa Tech Wrecker. That's one of the Ninja Turtles of yeah. the set. 
Yeah. And uh, so sorry, Turtle Ninja. I apologize. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I apologize. Trademark. We'll, trademark. Bleep, we'll bleep that earlier. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I actually think this is a great example of what I was just talking about uh, because it uses the counter that it comes in with to fuel the extra text that's on it. So either you're mm-hmm. using it for the counter that it comes in with or you're using it for its extra text and nary the two shall meet for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess Capitech Wrecker probably on screen right now, but just mm-hmm. uh, for the audio listeners, is one in a green for a turtle ninja. Yeah, not ninja turtle. Not ninja turtle. Uh, <laughs> race class. <laughs> Notab- notably, also not teenage or mutant. Uh, uh, what a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, so close. Uh, it's got ninjutsu because it is a ninja for one in a green, and then it enters uh, as Alex was saying with a death touch counter. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you can remove said counter to destroy. Oh, sorry. Exile. That's powerful. Target nice. artifact or enchantment that player controls. And it's a 1-3. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Uh, like, really good for an uncommon. Um, this is, like, probably rare quality yeah. out of out of a, an uncommon card. Right, like any other set, right? Like, it, like Alex is saying, it does t- too many things. Yeah. It, there's so many things that it can do. So many different ways you can play it. You can have it be a really thick blocker. You can have it come down in the mid game for value through ninjutsu. And it always has that ever present threat of, well, if I touch you, I'm going to blow up your stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It actually just occurred to me that if you played this in a Mimeoplasm deck, you might be able to make it a mutant turtle ninja after coming into contact with an ooze. Oh, that's, that's maybe really cool. That's actually. really spicy. <laughs> Somebody out there get that. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Ooze travel, Minimioplasm, Capitec Wrecker, Dot Deck. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't want to go through every single card that's in the set. I, that take way too long. So we're going to try and focus a little bit today. I mean, I say focus, but we'll see how focused we stay. Uh, there are three of us. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to try and get through at least the legendary creatures that come in the main set today. And so let's just start in alphabetical order with Owl, the Dawn Sky, a five mana value, three white, white, legendary creature, dragon spirit, flying vigilance, and when it dies, choose one of two effects, which include, look at the top seven cards of your library, put any number of Longland permanence cards with total mana value four or less among them onto the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, or put two one one counters on each permanent you control, that's a creature or a vehicle, at five four. Yeah, and, and this, um, whenever it dies, choose one out of two, that's a, a common theme among this cycle of legendary dragons. Mm-hmm. The, like, um, new Kamigawa dragons. Yeah, yeah they're monocolored right. dragons. Every single one of them has a different two effects that you can choose when it dies. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this one is, like, fine. I, I'm not a huge fan of, like, dies, triggers, and mono white, especially if you're evaluating this in the context of, like, being a commander. Right. This is, like, probably looking at maybe some kind of, like, a Sun Titan-type deck. That's what I was thinking, right, is that first ability is, I think, what I want to be doing with this card. Yeah. The second one is, like, I guess, and, again, maybe evaluating it outside of, like, a commander um, perspective, right? Like, the second ability is probably arguably the stronger one if you're a go-wide deck, right? Like, putting two plus one plus one counters on seven things probably kills your opponent. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, mini hulking isn't the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. That's exactly, yeah. Like, I would want to be... I, I don't know. We are the spike feeders. I would want to be abusing <laughs> this in some way, right? Yeah. Like looping this guy to do something. Might, nasty. might make an Athreos deck where you can keep getting him back out of the yard. Yeah. Right. Like in the 99, probably more for me. One than. thing that I do like about this, just from a design perspective, um, I'm uh, lately I've been thinking a lot about how much we shuffle in Commander and how uh, much dead time that creates. And that's yeah. just because I've been editing gameplay, right? <laughs> Elliot knows. Um, just from editing our gameplay, that so much of a, the time in a commander game is spent shuffling, and it's just dead time where nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. 
we cut it out of our games and it's like probably 40% of the game yeah. is, is between like tank time and shuffling and tutoring. Yeah. Like average, I would say easily half. It's, yeah. It's part of the reason why I think Pioneer was one of the best eternal formats that came up. Yeah. With. Like actually I think one of the worst things and, and like fetches are, I think a net negative for magic in general, but mm. one of the worst things about them is how much you have to shuffle. And it's like, exponentially more in commander decks because there's like a whole bunch of different types of fetch lands you can run and anyway one of the ways that you can get around that from a design perspective is by getting people to search the top x cards as opposed to searching their entire deck Mm -hmm. so you look at the top seven cards of your library and then instead of like searching through your entire deck and then shuffling it after you're looking at the top seven you're putting them uh the ones that you don't choose on the bottom in a random order so you're just shuffling two cards Mm -hmm. or maybe three cards or depending on how many cards you take out of the top seven or are we playing like ornithopter tribal in this deck because it's it's any number as long as it their is. total mana value is four or less i, say, I just, can see i could see a cheerios build doing well like put it. seven zero drops in a play there yeah like go. multi-format all-star shifting wall um. <laughs> a phyrexian walker shout out to uh, aaron packett yeah, he loves that card <laughs> well uh this next card is where you can probably catch me next time i go out to an event and that's at sushi the blazing sky nice. so that's a uh, four nice. mana value two red red for another dragon spirit flying trample four four with another pair of when it dies choose one this one says either exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn you may play those cards or create three treasure tokens yay treasure <sighs> yeah jim hates treasure <laughs> I, well like i i don't know from a design perspective again treasure it just seems like somebody in watsi r&d like assessed treasure as though it's like worse than a ritual but it's really not it's better than it's a ritual way in better 90% of circumstances yeah and so like you get all these things and they they tend to be really undercosted like this one this dragon costs five or four instead of five mm. it refunds three of it when it dies it literally says i'd like to play my pay my commander tax next turn plus one right yeah like and yeah, I don't know. It just seems like the the costing on treasure related stuff has been so aggressive. Just like um, you know, there's the the ones where you like I don't know, scry one, draw a card, make it treasure. Yeah. It refunds oh, itself. One, yeah. the black card. I forget what it's called, but or it's the, like a, uh, it's like the, a five dollar uncommon. Yeah, and the innkeeper too. The it's literally just a soul yeah. sister, but it uh, also gives you a treasure. Also gives yeah, you a treasure for some a, reason. I've been playing the heck out of that in historic yeah. on Yeah. Yeah, and so like I don't know, it feels like somebody is undercosting them. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's like maybe they think that it's more vulnerable to artifact hate or something. I don't um, see a lot of people running uh, Bane of Progress. Though. Yeah, but if you replace that text, like create three treasure tokens with like add red, 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 or like add three mana of any color to your mana pool, this mana doesn't drain at the end of steps and phases, or however they template that. Yeah, just at end of turn, right? Like like imagine it was like a pyretic ritual or whatever yeah. but it makes mana of any color and then also it doesn't drain at the end of your uh, and then like how would you cost that card it would cost at least one more i think so. maybe two mm-hmm. honestly I, I don't think treasure itself is really the problem my my personal problem with it is, is why is it going in red and blue and also green and being taken out of white the color that really mm. could use that kind of help mm. that's the thing that really annoyed me i kind of do like that it's in red um red yeah. a- absolutely needed the help like if you look at five years ago even mm-hmm. like even like three years ago mm. red was pretty much where white is now maybe not three years ago but mm. five years ago for sure it was like people weren't talking about mono white is the problem people were talking about boros yeah yeah because boros was actually weaker than mono white or mono red <laughs> <Hey>, now <laughs> because the stuff was harder to cast and you, you just didn't have ramp and you didn't have card draw which yeah. are the two most important things in commander 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really do like the fact that Red is getting impulse draw and treasure as ways to mitigate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like these are super aggressively undercosted, especially when it's put on a body like this. Yeah. Because yeah. like, surely nobody can ever figure out how to recur a creature in that. Yeah, that uh, four drop creature. Yeah. Mm, no. Nah. <laughs> nah. Goblin Bard Barman's not a card. Four nah. drop creature that refunds three of its costs. No. Oh. Nah. I, I can't think of anything. Four drop, so. four, four flample. <laughs> Flamble finds three when it dies. Yeah. (laughs) Any case, let's move on to the next one. It's Goro Goro, Disciple of Ryusei. It's a two mana value, one on a red Goblin Samurai. Two, two with red activated ability creatures you control gain haste until end of turn and three red, red activated ability. Create a five, five red dragon spirit creature token with flying activate only if you control an attacking modified creature. Mm. Now, this is the first thing we've had on the show so far that references modified. Ellie, Mm -hmm. why don't you walk us through modified? Yeah, modified is a new uh, keyword. It's uh, equipment, auras you control, and counters on your creatures. Make them modified. That's right. That was actually featured in one of our more recent uh, Better Noah Combo videos. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that up in the, in the thing. So Somewhere you can click on the... that. Watch it if you haven't. It's cool. I think this is a pretty decent card. I think this is almost certainly a 99 rather than a commander. It has a lot of fun abilities, and it's very neat. I can see a very flavorful and potentially budget goblins deck goblin samurai deck based around him but unfortunately without a lot of oomph at the top end there i just don't see him being used as commander very yeah that's often. where i'm at every once in a while especially with the number of legendary creatures that have been released lately mm-hmm. you come across a lot of these where they're like just kind of meh legendary mm-hmm. creatures where they're like i see where they're going with this but i can't imagine building a deck around it right um, this is not a card that gets me excited no i do like the art though art is yeah, cool. cool also shout out to mink from our discord right. uh guy that loves goblins uh probably loves this card probably hates us for not loving this True. card <laughs> shout out to goro from mortal Kombat as well oh, oh yeah can this you, is goro can you, goro can we just staple two goros together and get the same thing how many arms is involved there i don't know like eight, eight? <laughs> four legs he'd actually be a squid oh yeah maybe like motaro but with more arms I don't, I don't even know the words you're saying. Anyway, moving on. Let's go to the Go Shintai's. Go Shintai of Ancient Wars, three mana value, two in red, for a legendary enchantment creature shrine. Shrine being an enchantment type, not a creature type. Mm-hmm. With first strike at the beginning of your end step, you may pay one. When you do, Go Shintai of Ancient Wars deals X damage to target player or planeswalker where X is the number of shrines you control on set two to body. I kind of like this new design for shrines. <laughs> I like the fact that they don't have creature types. Yeah. Um, yeah. That appeals to me just because I like weird stuff. And we'll talk about my favorite card in the entire set later. But I love weird stuff like this where just creatures just don't have creature types. I think that's cool, regardless of what the card does. Mm-hmm. So just to run a f- through a few more of these, we got Goshintai of Boundless Vigor at the green, two mana value with Trample. It puts one one counters on each t- on a target shrine for each shrine we control for paying one. Goshintai of Hidden Cruelty has Death Touch. At the beginning of our end step, we may pay one when we do destroy target creature with toughness X or less, where X is number of shrines. Goshintai of Lost Wisdom with Flying. At the beginning of our end step, we may pay one when we do target player mills X cards, where X is the number of shrines we control and of course go shintai of shared purpose vigilance it's white if you do create a one one colorless spirit creature token for each shrine you control and those spirits don't have flying which is another call back to kamigawa mm-hmm. mm. they are the colorless uh non-flying spirits those always mess me up because i just assume that spirits have flying all the time yeah you know? true um i guess like uh the big thing about these shrines that i think is interesting is obviously more shrines means Mm -hmm. the old shrines get a little better Mm -hmm. uh and they've done it twice now right the originals were the hondans and then there was the uh sanctums in Mm -hmm. i think m21 Mm -hmm. and then now, now there's these ones and all three of the cycles trigger at different times yeah which is i think actually really interesting for building a shrine deck it gives you 
lots of things to do at different points in the turn. I believe the um, sanctums are like in your um, beginning of your main phase or something like that. And then the Hondans are in your upkeep, but they all just build off of each other with the additional shrines. So more shrines, less problems. I, I think actually, I think you've touched on something really interesting here because when there's a lot of cognitive load, when a lot of stuff triggers in your upkeep, Right. Um, because people are like, okay, I have like 10 triggers in my upkeep. How do I want to stack them? Then I have to actually go through resolving them all. But at least this, it kind of keeps the pace of your turn by saying like, here's one batch of triggers, deal with those. Then you can go do some stuff. Mm -hmm. Then you get another batch of triggers, deal with those. I I like that more. Um, I think if they had all triggered in your upkeep, this would feel like a super friends deck. Yeah, where right. you've got like eight planeswalkers out and you're like, what order do I want to do this stuff in? You yeah, know? exactly. It just becomes so messy and the and you stall yeah. trying it's to It's too it much. Out. So I, I do like the fact that they've split them up into different phases. I think that's really good design. It's pretty mm-hmm. smart. Uh, next up is a card that's setting historic on fire, that being Grease Fang. Is it really? Okiba boss. Yeah. Uh, right now, Jim, they have folks playing this three mana value four three in Orzov rat pilot that is getting Parhelion twos out of the graveyard. <laughs> And whomping for big money real early in the game. A rat pilot after my own heart, Alex. Yes, absolutely. It says, at the beginning of combat, on your turn, return target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, and it goes back to your hand at the beginning of your next end step. Mm. We could get uh, one one of my favorite vehicles in the entire game, uh, Sky Sovereign, console flagship. Yep. And then we could go like ETB, trigger bolt something, uh, attack, trigger bolt something, return it to your hand to take care of the ETB later. Oh, it's so good. And at four four power, Grease Fang is going to crew. Grease Fang crews so much. Basically everything. And it's not when Grease Fang attacks, right? So they definitely planned this. They're like, tap this to crew a big vehicle that you returned previously. Return another one. Keep doing it. And since it goes back to your hand, all you need to do is have some sort of discard effect and... Lord knows there's none of those. No, never seen them. Never seen What's a discard? That card? This card is sweet. I I, I have seen this card before, but this is the first time I've actually read and understood what it did. Yeah. This card is good. Uh, We're going to talk about crewing a little bit later, but uh, four is like actually really critical for crewing. Mm -hmm. I I generally tell people that crew four and up above is a trap because it can be really difficult to crew things. Right. You're Um, like sometimes pushing maybe like three creatures to be able to do that. And like in the best colors for crewing, there's a lot more like one threes compared to three ones, you Mm -hmm. know, with effects that you want like this. So being a four three is like definitely, definitely relevant in commander two. And the other thing about it is it's a three mana. 4-3. Yeah. This thing is aggressive as heck. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of a, as aggressive as heck, let's talk about Heiko Yamazaki, the general. Three and a red for a descendant Yamazaki. This one is a human samurai trample. Whenever a samurai or warrior you, you control attacks alone, you may cast target artifact card from your graveyard this turn on a 3-3 body. Yeah. It's like fine. I Okay, so this is the signature samurai uh, ability, which mm-hmm. is whenever it's it's kind of like pseudo exalted. If yep. you're familiar with exalted, like Rafik of the hidden, uh, Rafik of the many. Yes. Um, many. You Rafik of the hidden. I was going to say of the hidden realm. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, rune. That is rune. <laughs> different, different bad commander. But this is the signature samurai uh, ability from the set where we are uh, caring about creatures that attack alone. So you want to like load up one creature with a whole bunch of stuff, then have a whole bunch of samurai just sitting around watching, cheering it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one. I played Silas Rand quite a bit, which has a very similar effect. Uh, this one, fortunately, doesn't have to connect 
Mm -hmm. right? It's just on attack. You get to cast something. But you do have to pay full ticket for the artifact, which is kind of rough. Uh, I could definitely see playing stuff like uh, spell bombs and like just value mm-hmm. stuff that you might want to recur. Yeah. Things like maybe kind of cool. wellspring. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Actually, that's a, a really good point. I was thinking this probably leans more towards like a, a Voltron deck where you're like okay. maybe suiting it up with like sort of Feast and Famine or something sure. that you've somehow gotten your graveyard again. Definitely no looting effects in red. I don't even know what looting means. Yeah. I've never. Yeah, <laughs> never heard that word before. I don't know where, where well, it came from. I think the, my favorite part about it is it just makes welding jar so much better. Than yeah, like stuff like that. I feel like like those uh, like bobbles and things like that. If you mm-hmm. wanted to play so, uh, pseudo eggs yeah. kind of build, you could probably build something pretty cool here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have a ton more to say about it. But I, I would just say if you're if you're thinking that you're going to get a whole bunch of like expensive artifacts back like Spine yeah. of Ishsa and stuff like that, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Probably. Probably um, not. Uh, I will say that I do think they missed a trick not giving this partner. Yeah. That's a, a big yeah. one. Yeah. Partner with the other. The I think they're being called the Cousins. Cousins Yamazaki. Cousins Yamazaki. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Get, we'll get to the other one in just a little bit. But next up, I think I have my favorite <laughs> card from finance design perspective. Ooh. Hidesugu Devouring Chaos. Three and a black for a four mana value ogre demon with black activated ability with also paying sacrifice a creature to scry two. And the activated ability, two and a red tap, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. When you exile a non-land card this way, Hidesugu deals damage equal to the exiled card's mana value to any target on a 4-4 body. Mm -hmm. Love this card. Good card. Love this card. Great card. Now, obviously there's value there. I don't think we need to talk about that kind of value. The value I want to talk about is the fact that this is a very, very capable Rakdos commander who... This version of the card on screen costs like a quarter, and this version of the card on screen costs several hundred dollars. Yeah. Huge fan of this. Yep. Love it to death, and here's why. If you keep putting these type of chase treatments in packs, packs will get open. So not only does this version of Hidetsugu cost less, all the other cards we're talking about today will cost less because there will be more of them in circulation. Mm-hmm. I love this. Please keep doing this. Do it to more cards. Do it to more cards more often. That being said, maybe not five versions because retailers also are people and don't need to be doing that much data entry. Yeah. Yeah, like nine different skews on, what was that, Teferi? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But we've seen, um, like, ultra chase cards like this do quite a lot of work in pushing card values down. Um, we've seen it in the past. Like, Masterpieces yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Expeditions, expeditions the original yeah. Battle for Zendikar Expeditions did this. Um, where, yeah, just having these ultra chase cards in the set... Um, especially with cosmetics only, right? Mm-hmm. Given the fact that there's like accessibility for the game effect, that's really, really healthy for the game, but it also allows people to pay for cosmetics if they want to do that. Exactly. Super, super, super healthy. Yeah. Um, Huge yeah. fan, like Alex is saying, of that style of yeah. it, right? Like there should absolutely be a 25 cent version and why not also a several hundred dollars version for sure. the people that really want the to the bling yeah yeah right let people like if you were making this your deck and you wanted that one and it is attainable for you like that is a a sick piece of bling yeah obviously right and also i plan on playing this in my vile smasher deck um because the whole deck is based around uh like mana value matters 
And just about, like, I would say probably half of the cards in the deck uh, have to do with uh, cost reduction or cost avoidance, which is really cool. Like, you can exile something instead of paying a mana cost or whatever. It allows me to, like, essentially double trigger Vile Smasher mm -hmm. while paying alternate values from exile. Mm -hmm. Really, really cool card. Uh, I, would, I could also see this in Prosper. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because you're playing it from exile. Again, you would refund, refund a little bit of the cost of the treasure. Um, and it's got a setup ability on it. Yeah. So I would say if you want to see more about my Vile Smasher deck, I did a uh, podcast with CMD Tower, uh, Mr. Combo number five. Uh, we'll put that up in the description as well. Uh, really cool. We did like a breakdown of uh, my Vile Smasher deck as though it was a beer that we brewed using hops and wheat and uh, yeast and like finishers hmm. and all that kind of thing. It was a really neat way to look at a deck. Uh, nice. So I would definitely encourage you to check it out. We'll put that in the description. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, next up is a card that I think a lot of people are very high on, and it's Hinata Dawn Crown. It's one blue, red, white for a Jeskai color identity. It says, Kieran Spirit 4-4 with Flample. That's Flying and Trample. Spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target. Spells your opponent's cast cost one more to cast for each target. There are are so many pieces of shenanigan that you can mm -hmm. get into with this card. Yeah. This reminds me of Battlefield Thaumaturge yeah. um, yes. from original Theros block, mm -hmm. uh, where it's, uh, yeah, costs one less, you know, uh, what is it? Something it's costs? heroic. Heroic. But, uh, and things, things cost one less per target. Per target, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I could definitely see playing all sorts of things like that. Uh, play, uh, what are they? The, the mechanics that I'm thinking of. Strive. Strive. Yep. Strive was one, and then there was another one, too, I think. Uh, launch the Fleet? Has Strive it's on Strive. That's is what that, that was. Is that Strive? Strive? Yeah. yeah. But Launch the Fleet, uh, other things like that. And it also just does some really funky things to a lot of the types of control that you typically see in a commander game. A lot of it is, in fact, targeted or, in fact, multi-targeted. Mm -hmm. uh, it turns out Ashes to Ashes for six is nowhere near as good. Yeah. Uh, I just love that this card is, like Jim was saying, just a legendary Battlefield Thaumaturge. Yeah. So now there's like, maybe not like a, a guaranteed or a best or whatever, mm -hmm. um, but now you can be Jeskai Color Identity, identity Expel Tribal and with like a, a super capable commander at the helm. Yeah. It also makes some of the March cards that got spoiled in the main set look really, really good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any case, so let's move on to my absolute favorite. So excited. I haven't decided how I want to build him yet, but boy, howdy do I love this lad. Ishin Two Heavens is one. Red, white, black, Mardu for a human samurai that says, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent, you control the trigger. That ability triggers an additional time on a 3-4 body. I saw this. I wept. I cried. I tweeted. I haven't stopped thinking about him since. The art set up the whole thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Give me more of this. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to do a meme of Alex as Wolverine with the, with the with picture, the picture frame, but it'll be itching. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, honestly, uh, the thing I really love about him is it's a great example of a build around me commander that doesn't fulfill his own thing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't come with an attack trigger. He doesn't come with a way to make that value happen initially. You have to build around him. And I think I like that a little bit more than some of the other things that we've seen recently that are more or less self-contained packages. Yeah. And so I, 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 I can definitely resonate with that. Like with mm -hmm. with uh, for me, at least I know I know that people have differing motivations for playing commander. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, at least part of the fun in deck building is uh, trying to figure out a puzzle of how like what pieces to include or how can I get this to pop off? Definitely. And when you play something like um, Chulain or Holland or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, it just like it kind of all comes together and it's on rails. And yeah. you're just like, oh, my, what do I need to do? I need to play lands and creatures. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I put the best spells in and I do the thing. Yeah. yeah. So is- I actually pulled one of these in my pre-release pool. Um, and so we were playing eight pack sealed. And uh, I built Mardu Samurai out of this mm-hmm. with the uh, two-mana enchantment. I'm blanking on the name right now. Two-mana red enchantment where whenever a samurai attacks alone, you exile the top card of your library and you can play it this turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I had two of those in my deck. Um, just wild. So, like, you know, I would attack with a samurai. I'd get to rip two cards off the top of my library and play them until end of turn. It would get, like, plus X plus O from the Boros uh, uncommon samurai that does this but buffs things. The deck was wild, and this was a huge part of it. Uh, I got to cast this card many times and killed my opponents every time it landed. It just seems like the kind of card that's amazing and, and limited. It seems like the kind of card that's just a very flavorful commander. What's mm-hmm. what's your opinion on it there, Elliot? Uh, yeah, I love this card. Uh, I think my favorite part about it was the moment when Twitter found out that it's not you attacking with a creature that triggers this card. It's if... A creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control. And then people started thinking, oh, so we can be like a prison style deck with like Revenge of Ravens mm-hmm. and like those kinds of uh, effects in the deck. And I was like, again, right, like two totally different lanes for this commander to go. And I I love that. Yeah, big fan. Huge so fan. We've seen now Panharmonicon. Mm-hmm. We've seen uh, the Tesa that's Death Harmonicon. Yep. This one's like Attack, attack Trigger Harmonicon. Well, in fairness, we did have that with Wolfgar from mm-hmm. the Commander product from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. But I got to be honest, I, I never really thought of Gruul as that specifically. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think Mardu's the better color identity. Yeah. yeah. So my question to you two. Yeah. What's the next one? What's the next Harmonicon? Hmm. I want to say if I had to pick the next Harmonicon, I want it to be something like Sacrifice Harmonicon. Not Death Harmonicon, but specifically Sacrifice. Specifically Sacrifice. And I want it to be built around probably treasure, food, and clues specifically. Like if I could get it that specific, I think that's be the next thing I'd do. Okay. Okay. Elliot? Yeah, I like that because I have an Academy Manufacturer deck. So I'm, I'm just going to bandwagon with Alex here. Sure. That one. Yeah. Give me that. <laughs> I, I'm personally thinking it's going to be something like Fastest Oracle Harmonicon where it's like if you would win the game instead you win the game twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's real good in tournament meta. Um. <laughs> why, why does green need more things? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, our next card is maybe one of the face cards of the set. It's Jingitaxis Progress Tyrant. Seven mana value, five blue blue for a Phyrexian Praetor. Whenever you cast an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, copy the spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. This ability triggers only once each turn. Thank goodness. Whenever an opponent casts an artifact, instant, or sorcery spell, counter that spell. This ability triggers only once each turn. Thank goodness. As much as I hate that they keep sticking this on things, I'm really glad they stuck it on this thing. Yeah, this is a good example of when that line of text should be used. Yeah, it's also a 5-5 five five if that matters to anybody, but good lord is this card just nutty. Yeah. I will point out that uh, I have done some research um, in the past. On, <laughs> I, I, according to my research. That's a little magic school bus throwback, you know. Um, people, and I might be wrong. This I might have already been proven wrong. Let's pull up the stats on EDH rec of how many people built this as a commander. Typically in the past, um, cards that can be oppressive like this, uh, specifically in ways that it limits your opponent's abilities to amass resources, they do not tend to be popular as commanders. They tend to be more popular in the 99. Mm -hmm. So that tends to skew my analysis of this card. 
I'm analyzing it more from the perspective of how does this look as like a control finisher, yeah. Um, you know, in a standard control build. You well, know? not only that, but realistically, one of the reasons I don't think this ends up in the command zone very often is you can't cheat it into play if it's in the command zone. That's exactly it, right? Yeah. So like things like Iona, things like original Vorinclex, things like these are the ones that are really oppressively like they. Well, I guess the original Vorinclex doesn't quite fit this build, but. Things that, like, provide a one-sided disadvantage for your opponents only, like Leovold, mm-hmm. um, they tend to not be as popular as Commanders and more popular in the 99. Although I'm realizing now that Leovold probably doesn't fit that mold either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I think the other thing that prevents specifically Jinka Taxes from being popular in the Command Zone is if he's in the Command Zone, you're in Mono Blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. that definitely doesn't help. Hikori is a great example. Great example. Again, like, not, yep. not super popular in the Command Zone, but people will play it as a hate bear. Yeah, and some, something else that I don't think is probably going to make the command zone is Junji, the Midnight Sky. <sighs> five mana value, three black, black for a dragon spirit with flying, menace, five, five. And when it dies, choose one of these two. Each opponent discards two cards and loses two life. Or put target non-dragon creature card from a, gra- from a graveyard onto the battlefield. Yeah, under a your- graveyard. Oh. Super important. A graveyard. And you lose two life. Oh. I also pulled this card in that pre-release. Uh, Jim's popping off with this I, deck. Sounds crazy. I won every game that it resolved. This card is wild. Yeah, I, I dislike that it's black and has wow. this much value on the dice triggers because let wow. me tell you, dice trigger in mono black basically just reads, did you cast this? Yeah. Yep. Also, yeah. it's an outlet if you can infinitely recur something because each opponent loses two life on the dice trigger. Yep. Um, so if you can get some sort of a loop going with a sacrifice outlet. Uh, I've seen a loop on Arena with this already. You just need clones. Oh, oh yeah. 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 You need yeah. Junji in the yard and a couple of clones and you just go yeah. boop, boop, boop. That's kind of cool. Boop. Maybe we'll do a better no combo on that. It's it's interesting for sure. It's it's fairly straightforward though. Yeah. But any case, uh next one up is Kyrie, the swirling sky, six mana value, four blue blue for a dragon spirit, flying ward three at six six, and when it dies, return any number of target non-land permanents with total mana value six or less to their owner's hands, or mill six cards, then return up to two instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. So you're either really tempoing someone out for daring to touch your big big dragon lad or you're getting yourself set back up with a much more spellsly effect mm-hmm. yeah i don't think there's much to say about this i this this kind of card doesn't really appeal to me but, i say yeah. it, it looks like a nice control finisher but yeah. i don't think it makes a lot of decks that's yeah, like fine mm-hmm. there's lots of big blue control thing yeah. finishers speaking know? of something that i do think makes a lot of decks is kodama of the west tree yeah yeah we have all four now all yes. four directions this one <laughs> is a three mana value two and a green spirit for three three reach for some reason always with reach for some reason <laughs> modified creatures you control have trample whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player search your library for a basic land card and put it onto the battlefield tapped i it just seems great 10 years ago jim would have loved this card because yeah. my first ever commander deck was voral of the hope Clade. oh yeah and the biggest problem I, I was able to make these giant creatures like 100 100 creatures but giving them evasion was really difficult mm-hmm. and so at the time it was like cons block you could play crown ceratok you could play um there was like or horned ceratok i think it is um where it's like creatures with plus one plus one counters on them have trampled this mm-hmm. one's just straight up modified creatures yeah. Uh, most of the time, I think if you're playing this, you're probably looking at plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, you're probably um, going to run a Grum Gully. Yeah, this would be sweet with like Vigor. Yeah. Um, that seems sweet. But yeah, this is like, even if you don't consider this to be a legendary creature, the effect is really valuable in green decks mm-hmm. uh, where you're like scrambling for evasion for big beaters. Mm-hmm. I, I think it also just comes in at such a great rate that 3-3 three, three for 3 with Reach with upside on it. Yep. Yeah, my question is, why does this have 
both of these effects again right. why again. does green need it all yeah. it's like the alice the allosaurus shepherd problem right like take any one of these effects that it has on it and it's still a really good rate yeah like Quick. i would have loved it if it was just another modified creatures you have trample yeah. type effect well why does it also have to be not uh, okay oh <laughs> I, I like can't even I'll contain myself man. so it is worded as well. Whenever a modified creature you control deals combat damage to a player, not whenever one or more. Yep. Yeah. Like you could so have slapped that players. on there, yeah. but now it's just, oh, my board of trampling six sixes also ramps me nine. Yeah. Well, yeah. questing beast rotated. They needed a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate, I hate green. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Are we ready for this novel of Katose, the silent spider, three blue black for five mana value in Demir. Human Ninja 4-4. When this creature enters the battlefield, exile target card other than a basic land card from an opponent's graveyard. Search that player's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that card and exile them. Then that player shuffles for as long as you control this card. You may play one of the exiled cards and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any other color to cast it. Good lord, that was hard to read. Yeah, I've read this card so many times and I still don't know what it does. <laughs> I I don't like this. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I, I don't like designs that force you to track specific cards in exile that have certain properties of yeah. when you can cast them like i'm not a big fan of like um well i play it but i'm not a big fan of like paco and halden does mm-hmm. this um there's like a bunch where you have to have like multiple exile zones right i don't like that especially just it's just from a real estate like a pragmatic real estate perspective i'm sure this is fine on arena mm-hmm. it's just a little cumbersome in paper yeah yeah and again not really a commander design on this one uh no. which is why we probably don't have too much to say about it because because realistically if you're trying to get value out of it you're going to miss basically every time because if you want to flicker it now you can't cast it if you want to cast it now you can't flicker it exactly it's just a vanilla 4-4 other than this so and again lots of shuffling lots of searching so much shuffling yeah next up kura the boundless sky three green green four five mana value dragon spirit it's another one in the sky rotation it's a four four with flying and death touch for some reason Mm -hmm. when it dies we can either search our library for up to three basic land cards reveal them and put them into your hand or create an XX green spirit creature token where X is the number of lands we control. I think this is a very generic green dragon. Yep, it sure is a green dragon. Minor misstep. You did say basic land. It is not. Oh, it's not basic, basic land. land. So this uh, can tutor literally any land. I'm looking at you guys, Cradle. Uh, don't you mean Tron? Sure. Yeah. yeah, green, yeah. green Tron's definitely going to run. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm glad that. Food chain doesn't sacrifice. I'm glad that it exiles because this would be mm. bonkers in food chain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Especially because it's like you can make the XX green spirit creature token too. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, this would do it all with food chain but uh next up is tazri from uh oath of the gate i mean kyodai soul of kamigawa three and a white for a dragon spirit flash flying when it enters the battlefield gain or sorry when it enters the battlefield another target permanent gains indestructible for as long as you control it and it has a wooberg activation for it gets five five until to turn on a three three body i do not like these cards they keep printing monocolored creatures with wooberg abilities and they need to stop so boring They're, yeah like if you're if this is your thing i guess do your thing but this I, does not excite me in the least i it's like so generic i like that they exist i don't hate that there is a way to have a wooberg commander that isn't wooberg but the problem comes down to either either wildly busted or so milk toast i don't i'm just not interested right yeah. they're either najila or this thing <laughs> but also like the the world of commander has come a long way like mm-hmm. 
used to be that there was only, I remember I was talking about this with somebody a little while ago, but it used to be that there was only like three Jeskai legends. Right. And in that kind of world, I like something like this because it just like gives you an option to play a deck that you might want to play. That's Jeskai. That's not like Zedru or Narset or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in today's world where we get like a hundred or 200 new legendaries a year, I, I don't really see where this fits in the commander ecosystem. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure somebody likes it. I'm sure it's, it fulfills someone's something, but right. Maybe it's some like cool story piece too. Somebody likes it for a lore yeah. reason. Yeah. That's great. I, I just don't see who, I don't see exactly who the target audience is for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I see exactly who the target audience is for this next card. Because is it, it you? Is <laughs> me. Light pause emperor's voice for one and a white is a two mana value Fox advisor for a two, two body that says whenever an aura enters the battlefield under your control, if I cast it, you may search your library for an aura card with mana value less than or equal to that aura and with a different name than each aura you control. Put yep. that card onto the battlefield attached to light pause, then shuffle. Yep. This is going to Nanax and Siamid. Oh, oh, yeah. This card oh, is good. wild. So uh, shout out again. We're linking so many videos in the up there or the description or whatever. But uh, I recently played on stream with the uh, gentleman from the Cardboard Command YouTube channel. And John played a light pause deck. And the first card he cast, well, so I guess the first card he cast was Light Pause. The second card he cast blew my mind because it was a minimus containment. Mm-hmm. You'll probably have to bring that up. But it turns yes. something your opponent controls into a treasure for three. And then he tutored a three drop thing that gave Light Pause protection from creatures. Yeah, probably unquestioned authority. I think it was yeah, unquestioned, unquestioned authority. authority. Yeah. My, my whole and thing with card this. Too. And, it, <laughs> and it draws a card, too. And it draws a card. My whole thing with this is it can be used offensively. Mm-hmm. It can be used defensively. It can be used for control. It can be used for aggro. Yeah. This can sit in the command zone. It goes in the 99. This is the type of card I love because it does something very unique without being wildly busted. Mm-hmm. And just like Ishin, it doesn't come with it. Mm-hmm. I would also say that uh, this is one way, uh, this is a really good example of a design that is distinctively white, mm-hmm. right? It, it is a very white feeling card. But it also generates proactive advantage for its controller that doesn't come at the expense of your opponents, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, one of the big problems with White's design, in, in Commander at least, is that one of the ways you get ahead on card advantage is by slowing everybody else down. Right, the and, Thalias and the yeah. uh, Smothering Tides. And that's like a pretty unique, um, or it's like a, a pretty, it can be a pretty unpopular way to play Magic. Definitely. Uh, but this is like proactive advantage. It creates advantage for you not at the expense of your opponents. I'm a big, big fan. I think, like, this is not card draw, but it is card advantage. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of people ask for card draw in white when really what they're asking for is a way to generate proactive advantage, and that's what this looks yeah, like. Yeah, just let me do stuff like this yep. for all sorts of stuff in white, oh, yeah. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die happy. Speaking of dying happy, we got Naomi, Pillar of Order for three, white, black, in Orzov. It's a human advisor on a 4-4 body whenever... It enters the battlefield or attacks if you control an artifact and an enchantment. Create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vigilance. The value on this is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Enters or attacks is so aggressive. Love that, yeah, love that line of text. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like this because it goes in an Ishin deck. I really like this because it can helm its own go wide tokens deck. Mm-hmm. This is the type of Orzhov strategy that plays really well with uh, stuff like uh, Intangible Virtue, although they already have Vigilance in this case. I, I like this design because it's compact. It's not too flashy. It's the kind of thing you can give to a new player and they will fairly easily understand how to yeah. use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's straightforward. Uh, but also like powerful enough that I can probably hang. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. And so let's move on from that and go to Nashi, 
Moon Sage's Scion for one black, black, three mana value. Rat Ninja, three, two with Ninjutsu for four. That's three and a black. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library. Till end of turn, you may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana cost rather than paying its mana cost. That's a cool card. Yeah. Um, it does the annoying thing you were just saying where you kind of have to keep track of an extra exile zone. At least it is until end of turn, yeah. and you probably are pretty easy, easily picking which one of the things that you exile that you want to cast. Yeah. But notably, it is hit one person, exile the top of each player's yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a mono black, um, uh, what's the, starts with an E? Uh, Ert. Uh, Itali. Itali, the, that's the, the one. I was like, dinosaur? Yeah. No, Itali, yeah, yeah. Dinosaur. I no, had that one on deck. I, I like this design quite a bit because like you said, they go away at the end of the turn if you don't use them. So you're probably using them in your post-combat main. I, I just think it's pretty nifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of nifty, we've got Norika Yamazaki, the poet, the other half of the Yamazaki cousins, for two and a white. This is another human samurai on a 3-2 body with vigilance. Whenever a samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, you may cast target enchantment card from your graveyard this turn. Mm. Same thing with enchantments as you had with artifacts i think this one is a little more niche um Mm -hmm. as much as i can see recurring artifacts for a lot cheaper i don't know of too many cheap enchantments that i want coming back into play over and over the ones i can think of are stuff like omen of heliod where you get value when they enter the battlefield yeah Yeah. or sack them right um does this um synergize with the other cousin to a certain extent because it says uh samurai or warrior Mm-hmm. Right. And so they can get both effects. And obviously you could do something like Ishin where you're doing multiples, but that takes a lot of mana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I almost wanted something like like this where they're kind of when you have them both out at the same time that the total effect is like greater than the sum of the parts. Right. Like kind of like um, Sylvia and Korvath from Battlebond. Yeah. Um, where it's like it gives buffs the others i think right. it probably would have been fine if they say had partner the white one said return you may cast target enchantment or artifact spell and the red one said add red 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 to your mana pool mm-hmm. right attack something like that i think that would be way cooler yeah. yeah yeah and so i think they're fine but let's move on to some of the most important cards in the set which are the boros commanders ryu storm's edge two red white for a human samurai three three first strike whenever a samurai warrior control tax alone untap it if it's the first combat phase of the turn there is an additional combat phase after this phase i like this because you can't cheese it yep yeah yeah it's worded in the new way that uh they're doing kind of extra combat phase type things where uh, like this doesn't layer with another one unless you do this effect first yeah right so you can't play this ryu and then copy it or something like that because it is not no longer the first combat phase it also means you can't flash it or not flash it uh flicker it and mm. get another one yep it's, it's immune to all those sorts of shenanigans right. I, and i do like that from the perspective of it makes a fair game but i don't like that from the perspective it means i can't put a better no combo video out about it yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that are cool risona a sorry commander one red white for a boros three mana value human samurai three three with haste whenever it attacks or sorry whenever it deals combat damage to a player if it doesn't have an indestructible counter put an indestructible counter on it whenever combat damage is dealt to me remove an indestructible counter from it i love this so good like it's really cool it's it's like i don't know that it's super powerful it's really cool though it's just flavorful yeah i think it's a really neat effect i like i like it for voltron synergies especially for say exalted voltron synergies where you're holding up blockers and you've got people back and you just want to build up this absurdly tough hard to deal with threat 
I wonder if you could build like a Boros deck, almost like a pre-con, mm-hmm. where you've got three commanders that you could just like pull out of the deck at any given time. Because oh, I feel like sure. between this, Hakdos, and Tajik, oh. um, they probably all play to a very similar strategy. Right. right? I really like the idea of that. That's And then you could just like slick. flip one at random at the beginning of a game. I think that's a neat idea. Very neat idea. Uh, next up is something we've done a video on before. It's Satoru Umezawa. One blue black for a Demir human ninja. Two four. With whenever you activate a ninjutsu ability, look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. This ability triggers only once each turn. That's not the fun part though. The fun part is, is everybody's a ninja. That's right. Each creature card in your hand has ninjutsu two blue black. Oh yeah, spice. This, I almost changed my Yuriko deck into this guy. Ooh. Is how wow. spicy this is because you they play kind of the same. Currently, my Yuriko deck is you know uh, low drop ninjas hit people, reveal extra turn spells to deal the damage, and then take extra turns, deal more damage. Blah blah blah. This guy kind of combos in a different axis where your big spells that you're draining people with Yuriko off of can be Emrakuls and Steel Colossus, Kozilex and Jingataxiuses, mm-hmm. and then you just get to ninjutsu them in for four mana. Yeah, it's like, absurd. How do you do, fellow ninjas? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen people that just use this to cheese in giant beaters, right? There's so mm-hmm. many big blue finishers like, you know, octopuses and krakens and Leviathans. You know, Hullbreaker Horror. There's oh, oh, uh, Mr. Pinchy. Blightseal Colossus, right? You can yeah, just yeah. cheat so much stuff in for four mana using this card. Um, like turn four, this card is dangerous. Oh, super dangerous. Oh, yeah. uh, next up is Satsuki, the living lore for green white in Selesnia colors. It's a human druid, one three, with tap, put a lore counter on each saga you control. Activate only as a sorcery it also has choices of when it dies just like the dragons do with return target saga or enchantment creature you control to its owner's hand and return target saga from your graveyard to your hand i kind of love the saga commander jim does not love the saga commander. <laughs> I don't. evidently this feels like super friends to me i yeah I, i'm hating on super friends in this in this episode quite a bit this like you can reach a critical mass of permanence on the battlefield that have abilities where your turns just take a long time. You don't really do much. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot to keep track of. It's a lot of accounting, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure this appeals to somebody and I think you should do it if it appeals to you. I like I'm not. This is not prescriptive. Sure. Um, it's just it's not something that I like sitting through when I'm playing magic. I think the thing I would say is if this is the type of deck that you want to run, make sure you're very practiced at making it happen. Make sure you know what your cards do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If you have to read every single chapter of every single saga, like those cards have a lot of text on them. Every single chapter of every single saga, every time you tap Satsuki, yeah. like, yeah, that game. And what am I bringing back? And oh what am my I God. Counting on? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a lot. It's a lot of administrative work. <laughs> yeah. Too much. In fact, next up, we've got Shigeki. Jukai Visionary for one and a green. It's a legendary enchantment creature, Snake Druid for one three. It taps for one and a green to return Shigeki Jukai Visionary to its owner's hand. Reveal the top four cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped. Put the rest in your graveyard. And it also has the option to channel for XX Green Green. Discard it and return target X non-legendary cards from your graveyard to your hand. I think this is a nifty 99 card. Yeah. I think definitely, again, unless there's like some cool lore reason that I'm missing, not super powerful, not super interesting to play as the commander necessarily doesn't do anything on its own particularly, but... 
I, maybe there's something mono green there if you're playing like the legendary sorceries from war like uh yeah. Kamal's druidic vow and stuff like that but mm-hmm. it, it does ramp pretty aggressively yeah i feel like jerry probably wants this for his say deck yeah um returning x target legendaries from your graveyard to your hand seems powerful non-legendary legendaries Never mind, I retract my statement. Yeah. He didn't say anything. Yep. <laughs> we'll move on. It's next up is Tameshi, Reality Architect, two and a blue. And this one's actually an Azorius card for a Moonfolk Wizard 2-3. Whenever one or more non-creature permanents are returned to hand, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn with X white. Return a land you control to its owner's hand as the cost. Return target artifact or enchantment card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield activate only as a sorcery in classic moon folk fashion this is a combo card oh uh, yeah patron of the moon with tameshi shout out to patron of the moon uh yeah returning lands to your hand and then putting lands onto the battlefield <laughs> is a pretty powerful thing you can do in some situations <laughs> it, 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 it definitely exists yeah uh i i like this because it plays into the azorius identity of getting power not through creatures but through esoteric means i like the recursion uh i will say that i think this is probably a little too wordy for me I think if you're going to play a deck like this, you really need to know what you're doing and have a plan going yeah, into it. Definitely. Um, and as a result, I think a lot of those decks probably end up feeling pretty samey. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I want to throw something out here. This is a um, just a completely random one. Um, I would like to play this card in Canadian Highlander. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I would like to pay one white return my tapped Talarian Academy yeah. to my hand to put Black Lotus from my graveyard back onto the battlefield yeah. and then replay the Talarian Academy yeah. and make 16 trillion mana. Oh, <laughs> this is a Talarian uh, Paradox Academy. This is a Paradox Academy. Love 100 million percent. Love yep. it. Uh, and now for... Twitter's least favorite person and mine, Tetsunari Toad Rider. Everybody got so excited about this card. And then so angry. (laughs) Tatsunari, or no, sorry. Yeah, Tatsunari canceled. Just so you know. Super canceled. So uh, (laughs) it's two and a black for three mana value. Human Ninja 3-3. With whenever you cast an enchantment spell, if you don't control a creature named Kemi... I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Create Kami. Kami? Mm. Yeah, sure. Tra- create Kami, a legendary 3-3 black and green frog creature token with whenever you cast an enchantment spell, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. He also is actually a Saltai commander for one and Simic, Tatsunari Toad Rider, and target frog you control can't be blocked this turn except by creatures with flying or reach. The reason everyone hates Tatsunari is in the story, uh, I believe it's Chichiro, the uh, snake samurai. Okay. In... Uh, uh, gruel color identity. Uh, Shitsiro? Chishiro. Chishiro? Chishiro, sure. The Shattered Blade uh, cuts the toad in half as Tatsunari abandons him Yoshi style. Yeah, it's like, you know when you have to make a long jump and you have a Yoshi? You, you dump the Yoshi and make yeah. the jump. Yeah, except instead of dumping, yeah. it's just like, ka-chop. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's Tough. named. It's named. Yeah. Tough. This is one of those cards yeah. that I feel like I might be interested in playing it, but you really got to know what you're doing. A lot of these decks are going to feel really camey. Get out. Uh, well, while Jim's getting out, I actually have a, uh, a shout out to a friend of the channel, friend of the show, uh, and that is our very good friend, uh, Benjamin Wheeler. And I just have one question for Benjamin, and that is, Benjamin have you seen my jellyfish child? Have you seen my jellyfish child? Next up is the reality chip. That was amazing. One in a blue. Consummate professional. Legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish for a zero four. It says you may look at the top card of your library at any time. As long as the reality chip is attached to a creature, you may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library with reconfigure 
two and a blue. Jim, talk. Oh, okay. So this is like a pretty decent effect. It's a, it's a lot like Future Sight. But the thing that really appeals to me about this is that whoever the designer was on this, I don't know who it was. I don't know if you're watching right now, but like props for sticking your neck out and building something really weird. When I when I look at stuff, I've, I've talked to Gavin Verhey about this quite a bit in the past. When I look at cards, I'm looking for something that like hasn't been done before. When, mm-hmm. when they release something that's like, oh, it's a 2-2 two, two for 2 and it's got a decent upside ability that's like a static effect and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, it's a magic card, right? Like when something comes along that's like, all of Future Sight or like, yeah, like Force of Sad- Savagery or like Spellweaver Volute or like Char Rumbler, um, stuff like that that has like really weird abilities or they're just super strange designs that you have to jump through a lot of hoops to make work. Um, this is like kind of one of those cards. Uh, and it's this was previewed before a lot of the equipment creatures came out, the reconfigure creatures came out. So uh, first of all, I really like reconfigure as, a, as an ability. I think it's great. It's really, really good design. Um, I think I it makes. Say, I think it makes equipment really good. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and I would say like more so in Boros actually yeah, than in Blue. But I, I really like this one. I really like the fact that it's a legendary artifact creature equipment jellyfish. I think that's that's a great combination of words. Yeah. There's so many words there. Um, yeah, and so I would say uh, I don't know. I just think it's a weird card. I, I really like it. I don't know what I want to do with it yet, but it's going to be. I say, have you built your deck for it yet? So uh, I I wanted this card to be. Is it? I, when I really started thinking about it, I was like, I think what I want to do with this card is build a deck that is totally based around taking things from people and attaching them to other people's things. <laughs> like Bludgeon Brawl. Yeah, Bludgeon style, Brawl, right? yeah. yeah. Nice. So, like, turn everything into an artifact, march the machines, whatever, and then Bludgeon Brawl, turn everything that's an artifact into an equipment, and then, like, threaten effects. So be like, I'm going to take this from you, I'm going to take this from you, I'm going to attach this to that, and then I'm going to give them back. <laughs> so so you, you almost want to, like, rule zero, change the cost on this from one and a blue to red blue. Uh, or, like, yeah, or even just give it, like, a prismatic partner, Piper partner or something there like that. There you go, sure. Toby Elliott was saying give it uncastable rogue rack partner. <laughs> um, there you yeah. go. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. It appeals to me. I don't know quite how I want to do this yet, but I'm for sure going. This... This is one of the things about this set is like I don't often get very excited about new cards. No, right. A- again, right. I look at a you know standard two two for whatever, and it's like okay, this has been done before, yeah. right? Um, I feel like Neon Dynasty has a lot of stuff that hasn't been done before, okay. and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the design yeah. space they've chosen for the entire set just feels unique. Yeah, it really, really does. And so this is also a situation where I see a commander and I think to myself, I want to build that. That happens extremely infrequently. I, this is the first time I've seen you build a deck. In yeah, most year. of the time I like decide that I want to do something in commander and then I build a deck around it. But this is the first time where I've seen a commander and said like, I don't know what I want to do with this. I just want to build a deck for this commander. Mm-hmm. So that's a very, very unique feeling for me. And so, Jim, uh, obviously I'm wearing some merch that references this pretty heavily. Yes. Uh, where did this come from? Shout out to uh, Lindsay Odom. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly on Twitter. Uh, we'll put up uh, Lindsay's Twitter. But Lindsay, um, <laughs> I, Ben Wheeler was just talking about how uh, he's really excited for Kamigawa. And I was really excited for Kamigawa. And I just tweeted at him, Benjamin, have you seen my jellyfish child? And 
Ben's response was, Jim, the noise I made. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, Lindsay came along and really liked my tweet, Benjamin, if you see my jellyfish child, and uh, made it into some merch. And you can buy it uh, in Lindsay's Redbubble shop. So we'll we'll put a link to that in the video description as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a few more cards that we want to cover that came from some of the Commander product. Uh, Specifically, I wanted to talk about Shorkai Genesis Engine. Uh, two white blue for an 8-8 eight, eight vehicle. It has one and tap for draw two cards, then discard a card, create a colorless pilot creature token with this creature cruise vehicles as though its power were two greater, and crew eight. And it has the special text, Shorkai Genesis Engine can be your commander. I think this is pretty nifty. I'm going to... I want to make an Evangelion uh, meme deck, and I just yeah. want to... The pilot's name is Shinji, and I'm going to make him get in the robot. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? What's that? It's, it's a little bit of an abstract comparison, but it reminds me of a Rigsmithies. Oh, yeah. Um, because it comes down on turn four. It's, like, not a creature until a couple turns after that, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe you curve out in Azorius, and you're able to crew this on turn five, but mm-hmm. uh, pretty unlikely. But that's kind of what it reminds me of. It, it feels like you're building around it as though you're casting it early, getting some value out of it, and then later on in the game it becomes a bigger threat. Mm-hmm. I, I just really like the fact that it has draw two, discard one. Yeah, I feel like that really helps push a lot of different types of strategies forward. I will say, though, I think create is a trap. Yeah, create's definitely a trap. And even, even with the pilot. Yeah, even, yeah, even yeah. with your 3-1 yeah. pilots, yeah, it's like... Oh, it's a million. Pretty aggressive. <laughs> Effectively a million. Because if you keep in mind, like, say you've got these one ones, they, they're not three ones, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine you just had three ones, right? You need three of them to crew this creature. So you could attack for nine with those three creatures, or you could attack for eight with one creature that doesn't have any kind of evasion. I don't yeah. know a lot about math, but that seems wrong. <laughs> and and you need that plus another card to do that. Yeah. Like, it's it feels like a trap to me. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. welcome, you know. Prove me wrong on this in the comments, but I don't like it. I feel like the uh, the ability to draw the cards probably has a lot more value than almost anything else yeah, about the card. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, Swift Reconfiguration, one white mana for an aura with flash, enchant creature, or vehicle. And it says, Enchanted Permanent is a vehicle artifact with crew five, and it loses all other card types. Uh, this card's really cool. Uh, it goes infinite with Devoted Druid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It turns Devoted Druid into... Not a creature. So you can just tap it and untap it and put a minus one, minus one counter and not care because it can just. Where did you learn that? Um, some idiots on YouTube. Yeah, there definitely so. isn't a link on a card or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, so, Jim, what's your what's your opinion on swords to ride shares? I think this is great. Again, right. I, I just said create as a trap. Um, crew five, you're essentially never attacking with that as a creature. Mm. I, I really like removal in commander that uh, strands vehicles or strands creatures on the battlefield Mm -hmm. Uh, they are the least accessible when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing but they're not in a different zone where you can bring them back uh this is like evident with uh dark steel mutation with song of the dryads lignify uh, lignify uh there's also um mystical reflection where you can force it to enter as a copy of a different creature and it just stays there they're so inaccessible because then you have to spend removal on it Mm -hmm. then recast it Mm -hmm. uh it's so much less accessible than it being even in exile Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I really like it as removal. Uh, next up, we want to talk about Kappa Cannoneer. Five and a blue for a six mana value Turtle Warrior for four with Improvise, which means that our artifacts can be tapped to pay for one generic of the cost of this. It has Ward four, and whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under our control, we can put a one-one counter on the Kappa Cannoneer, and it can't be blocked this turn. Do you all know this card is 80 US dollars on Magic the Gathering Online? 
our good friend and yours, Pleasant Kenobi, lost his stuff about this the other day. Yeah. Because you just can't find these things. They mm. only exist in treasure chests because they're a commander product. Great. Hard to get a hold of. And look at all that value for yep. an affinity deck. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's so true. I need a I need a Blastoise altar of this like immediately as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, shout is, out to, to Clover altars. Yeah, this is literally just Blastoise. Yeah, rest yeah. in peace. Can't tell me otherwise. Uh, I do. Before you before you scroll past yeah. there, I do want to shout out Imposter Mech. I think this card is really good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we again, crew crew four plus probably a trap. Crew three very doable. Also, this gives you a little bit of immediate value as it will enter as a copy of something else. Uh, <laughs> Darkside Extortionist. <clears throat> um, yeah, and then it's just like it's a regular vehicle later in the game, but it gets some immediate value if you want to copy some ETB triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that I think are really cool, uh, Konmainu Battle Armor, three and a red. Artifact creature equipment dog with Manache. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has menace. Sorry, uh, we're not playing a game right now, but I can never stop saying Manache. Uh, whenever it is equipped, uh, sorry, whenever it or equipped creature deals combat damage to a player goad each creature that player controls with reconfigure for love gold love, love gold i love that they're starting to put it on a few more pieces yeah. i think this is great tech goad mm-hmm. is super healthy design space for commander in my opinion again r&d if you are listening um goad is great love goad love goad. Uh, it, it uh, like avoids stalemates in the late game mm-hmm. um that i think is its biggest yeah. benefit yeah and it just makes sure that people like keeps the game moving well and that's exactly it right just makes things happen yeah. like there's so many i guess not recently like i think obviously with the move to mostly the way that i'm playing magic right now being like spell table games a lot of people kind of maybe feel the same way so there's a lot less nothing happening kind of in the midterms but yeah definitely just Love ways to Big keep fan. things happening. Uh, another piece out of the Commander decks is Kose, Penitent Warlord, one green green for a three mana value, Ogre Samurai, zero five, with as long as it is enchanted, equipped, and has a counter on it. It has, whenever this creature deals combat damage to an opponent, you draw that many cards, and it deals that much damage to each other opponent. Oh yeah, this is... This is going to kill people. I think this card's sweet. That's Again, so good. it makes you jump through so many hoops. Like, it's got a big payoff, but mm-hmm. it makes you jump through so many hoops, and it essentially does nothing until then. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That being said, I don't think the hoops are quite as much as maybe some folks might hope for. There are a lot of auras and a lot of pieces of equipment that put 1-1 counters on the creatures. Mm-hmm. The double duty with. kind of a thing. And so... Don't get me wrong. Is it still work? It's absolutely still work, but I think it's a really good design. It, yeah, another, right. yeah, like great piece of design, right? Just yeah. commander that makes you work for the thing that it, it wants to do uh, and does it really well when you can get there, right? Like the fact that it draws that many cards refuels you after dumping presumably a bunch of cheap stuff to make him online or whatever yeah, especially since like getting online is going to cost you cards especially if somebody removes uh your creature in yeah. response to casting an aura on it or whatever right it, it's a pretty it's a gamble right yeah yeah definitely it's good stuff yeah so uh one thing that we want to talk about is one with the kami oh yeah uh, this card is also in one of the videos that we just released uh, this is a better no combo on one with the kami and grumgully mm-hmm. so this card combos with grumgully because uh for whatever reason this is templated to not care about whether something is a token or not um, yep whenever an enchanted creature or another creature mod- another modified creature you control dies create x11 colorless spirit creature tokens where x is the creature's power 
Um, when we talked about limiting things to once per turn, that is a like a combo safety valve. For whatever reason, they just like said, you know what, this card has no breaks. <laughs> like the two things, right? They left non-token yeah. off of this card and they did not include once per turn. Yeah. yeah. They were literally just like, here. Here, have a combo card. Break this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like the design. I think it's fun that you're getting value, especially in response to a whole bunch of other things dying. Like, I think how they intended this was you're going to flash it in. Right, it does have flash. Yeah, after your board starts getting wiped and then you're going to refill with a bunch yep. of 1-1 spirits. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate part is is you can literally take out the extra land they shipped you in the pre-con, slap in a goblin bombardment, and you have a game-legal pre-con, essentially, with an infinite combo in it. Yeah. yeah. This uh, also kind of weird design space where uh, it's an aura that cares about other creatures dying. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, like, unprecedented, but it is a little strange. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what they were thinking with this card, but it sure is a combo card. <laughs> sure is. Uh, next up, we just have to talk about him because he's such a good boy. It's Yoshimaru, ever faithful for one white mana. It's a legendary creature. It's a dog. It's got one one and partner with whenever another legendary permanent enters the battlefield under your control, put a one one counter on Yoshimaru, ever faithful. If you sacrifice this dog... We are not friends. Oh, yeah. It's over. Yeah. Everybody's talking about sacrificing this to Tevish Shot. Rebel, I'm, I'm looking at you specifically. We are not friends off. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You cannot sacrifice Yoshimaru. I have baseball. seen some cool Yoshimaru tech. Uh, first of all, Yoshimaru plays real well with Kedis. Oh, so well with Kedis. Uh, oh. Also real well with Rograk because oh. you can just get a 2-2 two -two on turn one. 2-2 two -two that does commander damage. Seems yeah. good. And scales throughout the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah. It's a cool card. Very right. cool. So uh, I think one of the last things we probably want to talk about are the Myogen. Yeah, I want to just uh, call them out really quickly here. I have two big gripes with them. One, uh, the previous Myogen, I guess, uh, for some backstory, the old Kamigawa set had the Hondans and the Myogen, and they their names matched, right? It was Honden of uh, something and Myogen of the same thing. Sure. Uh, these Myogens, oh, sorry, they also used Divinity Counters, which is a thing that I don't think has existed outside of that Kamigawa set. It was like that. At, and they uh, had reflexive abilities that said, if it has a Divinity Counter, do a thing. Yes. Right. Uh, these ones, A, names don't match with the Goshintais that they just printed in all five colors. B, don't use Divinity Counters. And I am n never been more disappointed in my life. I've been waiting all day for this... Uh, Ace Attorney moment. Objection. Divinity counters were useless. Indestructible counters can be put on things like the Ozolith. They can be moved around. Because they're no longer reflexive, the Divinity counter, basically the only point of it back in the day, mm -hmm. was those Myogen had, if it has a Divinity counter, it also it's, has indestructible. Right. I think this is a better design. I think if they had to go back and do it, they would have used indestructible counters, but that wasn't sure. design space at the time. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think these are very underwhelming. Yeah, a lot of them are not very good. Uh, the blue one is like maybe cute, right? You yeah. copy something uh, three times, you get like four copies of a thing, but you're paying eight, eight mana to play it to get the counter and then your big thing that you want to copy three times. So And and you have to give up indestructibility on it anyway. Mm -hmm. I, does, this, does this fit in the blue one? Does it fit in uh, our Commander Mechanics uh, Too Many Garuda's deck? I is, am, it, is it evens or odds? It's evens, right? It's evens. It is I evens. Think it doesn't fit. Oh. I think it does oh, it fit. Is, it does fit. It's, yeah, eight. it's eight. I think it does fit. That being said, I don't know that it makes it. <laughs> I just don't think that it does. Uh, the only other card that I want to talk about before we start looking to wrap up is Goshintai of Life's Origin. It's another mono-colored, five-color commander, but this one I like because it has 
drip. It do it, got the drip. It's a shrine commander that does shrine things in a shrine way, and that's all it does. Yep. Uh, it's yep. got Wooburg and Tap for return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. If you're not targeting a shrine, I don't know what you're doing. It also Probably. has when it or another non-token shrine enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 colorless shrine enchantment creature token so you can pump those numbers up and not be rookie numbers anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this five mana return target enchantment card uh, ability, uh, you could target an omniscience with it, but don't. Don't be that guy. That's well, for that, that that's for future me. Um, that that's for future me to watch this video so I can tell myself to not be that guy because I want to be that guy. And so I, I think that covers almost everything that we wanted to talk about today. Unless somebody mm-hmm. wants to interrupt me. Well, it it, uh, it covers the cards we wanted to talk about. I think that there are a bunch of other wins in the set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. The lands are obviously gorgeous. I'm going to put oh, them up here. The God. lands are stunningly gorgeous. They're oh. even nicer in person than they are on the screen. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the foiling slam dunk. Oh. They they. Um, Watsi, I think, did a really good job with um, the story, uh, like the story and representing uh, culture really, really well. I think I've seen just like near unanimous praise yeah. for Watsi as like you nailed this flavor. There was a lot of um, hesitation, or, or definitely, um, you know, coming into this set saying like, eh, is this going to be like just the real tropey like near sci-fi cyberpunk stuff that has a lot of cultural problems with it mm-hmm. and they seem to have dodged all of it which is really really cool to see this is like what happens when you get people in the room that are from the culture that you're trying to represent um, yeah, crazy crazy how that took yeah. us this long to figure yeah. out apparently yeah. <laughs> I, I think the other thing i really liked about this is they dropped almost the entire story yeah. before spoiler story yeah. i mm. really like that i would like to actually see wizards do more of that and i specifically would like wizards to let creators do it Give us the opportunity to put together videos to get people hype about the street gangs of Kamigawa. Let us, you know, do some new war scenes about the streets of New Capenna. Yeah. I think, don't get me wrong, I understand that maybe you want to keep it in-house and maybe you've got a budget for that. If you do, fill your boots. But if you don't, consider reaching out to the people in the community that do that kind of stuff to let the community be a part of it. Well, like Prof did that crazy lore video for the saga, the Kiora saga from uh, Theros Beyond Death, right? Like, and that was just his preview card. Imagine Mm -hmm. what he could have done if you gave him a chunk of the story. What what if you give uh, Sam from Rhystic Studies three months lead time and even the slimmest of a budget? Yeah. I've never wanted anything more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like Spice Eight Rack oh. would be great to do that. Like yeah. we're calling, right. I know we're calling out a ton of um, that. Yeah. If, if we didn't list you just here, it's not that we don't think that no, you it's do because a good job. we specifically do not like you. <laughs> yes, you, the one thinking that we don't like you, <laughs> Elliot. Stop making enemies. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that like this set has so many home runs in it. We we've only touched on like a small corner of it, talking yeah. about the card designs, mm-hmm. but like there are so many things to love about this set. I. It's a, it's a home run. Yeah. Any case, folks, if you saw any cards that you want to purchase today, we actually do have a TCG player affiliate link down in the show notes. If you want to click on that and buy some cards, it actually helps support the show. If you'd like to support the show more directly and get some more benefits from it, you can join our Patreon for as little as one US dollar a month. You get access to the Spike Colony, the best Discord server that I'm aware of with Spike in the name. We've got a lot of cool folks over there. We actually mentioned some of them on the video today. We hang out there very frequently. We've got games. We've got events. I will go ahead and say that it is one of my favorite discords on the entire discords. Yeah, I think I think the community that we've cultivated is, yeah, Yeah. one of, if not the best. Yeah. Yeah. Also, shout out to Moxfield. We're not sponsored by Moxfield. We just think they're really cool. Yeah. Moxfield's great. That's it. Use Moxfield. That's all we've got. (laughs) Thank you so much for watching and stick around. Watch another video. 
Hey, thank you for checking out the spike feeders on YouTube. If you're not subscribed yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button before you close the window, or you can click on this link to check out our other great videos.